Today we're going to continue in our study of the seven deadly sins. Two weeks ago, sloth, last week, lust, and today, anger. I almost thought about it, I showed you a video from The Incredible Hulk for the, my childhood TV series, Bill Bixby, of all people. Remember Bill Bixby? Um, Bill should not have been The Incredible Hulk. And he would transform into Lou Ferrigno through the magic of television. But before he transformed, he said something that we all understand. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. You remember that? We can all relate because we can hulk out if we're not careful. Before we go further, let's pray together. Lord, let us tune into you. Each of us. And Father, let us be so filled with love that anger becomes, well, it becomes distant. So you be close in Jesus' name. Amen. As I see it, there are really three types of anger. We have people that are angry at God. Likely, if you're in that category, you're not here today. And then we have people that are angry at themselves. And well, we've all been there, and maybe you're visiting there right now. Then there's the anger that we all understand that are caused by other people, never by us. As we begin, we're going to look at a day in the life of two of Jesus' disciples, James and John. You know a little about James and John. Brothers. Mark chapter 3 tells us their father's name was Zebedee. And we're also told that Jesus has a nickname for them. Do you remember Jesus' nickname? Sons of Thunder. After reading what Luke tells us about James and John, you'll see that they earned their nickname and it was very appropriate. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 51. Jesus is headed to the cross and Luke says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him. And on the way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And you know the Samaritans, Jesus had made them a hero in the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus had a revival at a well in one of their villages. He was their friend. But verse 53 says they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. He couldn't stay there. When his disciples, James and John, son of the thunder, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven? I bet they're grinning from ear to ear when they saw this. You can do that. Would you like to call fire down from heaven and just burn them up? He turned and rebuked them as all Luke said. And then they went on to another village. Can you relate to James and John? Oh, come on. Are you married? Can you relate to James and John? Um, been driven on 285 lately? You can relate to James and John. Ever wish you could call fire down from heaven? Yeah. If we could, would there be anyone left on earth? It'd be a lot easier to drive in Atlanta. 
James and John, I suppose, thought that they had a righteous anger. These people are picking on Jesus, and so because of that, we should really be allowed to let them have it. It was a noble cause, so let's just sap the village, they thought. But it didn't happen. And we don't know if Jesus said anything to them. He just turned and rebuked them, Luke said. Maybe it was the look. You know the look, don't you? You've gotten that. I tell you this story, and I relate with the Sons of Thunder. But I tell you this story because anger is the only of the seven deadly sins that we try to justify. We really do. James and John tried. But we go as far as to make it defensible in certain situations. A man comes home from wife and from work and finds his wife with another man and he shoots them and we call it crimes of passion. And we on the outside look at it going, yeah, I understand why he did that. Because we all have a son of thunder in us. A rapist walks free in a courtroom because of a technicality and the victim's mother on the outside of the courthouse shoots him. And we all understand. And the greatest crime in history to put us where we ought to be, Jesus reacted by saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And what a far cry from calling fire down from heaven. In studying this, I, I've read about Jesus overturning the money changers' tables at the temple. And theologians talk about that, and they try still to justify anger. And some want to create, some want to create an angry Jesus to justify their own needs for anger. But those cases are so few and far between that. Our problem is not that we have justifiable anger. Our problem is that we're just too angry and like James and John, we're often, often wrong. And it's a dangerous path. Look what Jesus said about the danger of anger in Matthew 5, 21 and 22 for the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you have heard it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. And all of us read that and think, well, we're off the hook. And then we get to verse 22, and it says, But I say to you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. Uh-oh. I've, I've been there. If you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. Or if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. And so here Jesus is putting anger in the same category as murder. Why would he do that? Well, you know why, don't you? Because things can spring forth and just change a life in an instant. Mark Twain said about anger, he said, it's an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to on anything in which it is poured. And you've seen anger eat at people so they've had a miserable life and they've not let something go and it's damaged the vessel. But our society adheres to the words 
Don't get mad, get even. More than Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. We're all like the 10 year old, old boy that was pushed in the mud by a nasty classmate. He was told it wasn't necessary to get even because God punishes evildoers. And the little boy said, okay, I'll give him 24 hours. <laughs> want it done, want it now. It doesn't take a lot of research to see the damage that anger has done on the Atlanta Journal-Constitution or wherever you get your news. It's been barely two weeks when a Covington woman, Tara L. Moody, shot a man because of park, not road rage, but parking lot rage. That's a new phrase to me, parking lot rage. They were at a Target in DeKalb County and they were both trying to get around the truck and neither one would give. Robert Herwig of Decatur, 47-year-old, evidently poured a bottle of water towards her car and then poured some water towards her. And she went to her car and got her gun and shot him and drove away. He wandered into Target holding his chest, was rushed to the hospital where he's recovering. You remember that story? Did you see that on the news? Are you surprised that it happened? Not anymore. We live in such an angry world. There are tons of sons and daughters of thunder all around us. And if I'm not careful, I can be one of them. I'm told that this sign is at a marine base somewhere in these United States. To err is human, to forgive is divine. It is not marine policy, however. I love the sign. I love the sign. But I have to follow the teachings of Christ. And James gives us a wonderful counsel in chapter 1, just a couple of verses, 19 through 21. You must understand this. My beloved, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness, even if you think it's righteous anger. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. Your only hope to get rid of it is the word of God working in your life. Remember the words from the word of God, Romans 12, 14, and 21. Bless those that persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Don't be claimed to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it's possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room from for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. <clears throat> know if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you'll keep burning coals on their heads to make them think about what's going on. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
overcome evil with good. When wrong, do right. When cursed, bless. When hated, love. That's what we're told to do. And does anybody in this room like it? Do you wish you were told something else? But you're not. Because God knows how we can be. But He knows how we ought to be. When we think that we have reason to be angry, Jesus reminds us that God has every right to be angry with us, and yet He's willing to forgive us and continues to love us and removes all the wrongs from our record if we confess them. Matthew sheds some light on this in chapter 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven will be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. As he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children, all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before his master and said, Have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. So, out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. And right after it happened, the same slave went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, a small amount. Seized him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. His fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. He refused. Went through him in prison until he paid the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. His Lord summoned him and said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? In anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We should be so filled with joy that we have been forgiven that it should be overflowing and we don't have time for anger. That's what happened to my friend John. Remember he wanted to call fire down from heaven. Years later, after this incident, look what John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. When he began to get it, he wrote, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loves us so much, we ought to love one another. I wonder if he thought back to that day and that look that Jesus gave him when he turned and rebuked him. When we learn who Jesus is and we remember, we become more loving. Way more loving than we could ever be without him. Without him, we don't have a chance. In April of 1958, a Korean graduate student studying political science at the University of Pennsylvania, went out to mail a letter. Before he could get back to his apartment, he was attacked by a gang of teenagers. 
They robbed him and they killed him. The victim was a fine Christian. A stark contrast to the gang members who just didn't care. After they were called and arrested, they just seemed arrogant and unconcerned. Getting the news in Korea, the victim's mother wanted to come to the United States and her church gathered money to send her. And she had every right to be angry. But she wasn't. When the young men who murdered her son were found guilty, the mother of the victim got on her knees in front of the judge and begged him not to give them the death penalty, but to spare their lives and show them leniency. What she did brought the murderers to their first act of civilized behavior, their first good response, and they began to weep and show remorse for what they had done. The courtroom began to cry, and the policemen began to cry, and Philadelphia witnessed something that only the love of God can accomplish, and it led people to Christ. In the early 80s, Bruce Goodrich was being initiated into the Corps of Cadets at Texas A&M University. One night, as a hazing ritual, Bruce was dragged out of bed, and he was, he was told to run until he dropped. Drop he did. He died of a heat stroke. A short time after that initiation had gone wrong, Bruce's father wrote a letter to the administration of Texas A&M. And he said, I quote, I'd like to take this opportunity to express the appreciation of my family for the great outpouring of concern and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son, Bruce. We were deeply touched by the tribute paid to him in the battalion. We were particularly pleased to note that his Christian witness did not go unnoticed during his brief time on campus. Mr. Goodrich continued to write, I hope it will be some comfort to know that we harbor no ill will in the matter. We know our God makes no mistakes. Bruce had an appointed time with his Lord and is now secure in his celestial home. When the question is asked, why did this happen? Perhaps one answer will be so that many will consider where they will spend eternity. That's an amazing outpouring of love, isn't it? The key to dealing with anger is found in our relationship with Christ and our obedience to his teaching. Maybe the most amazing story I read, and I remember this well, it was from 2006. In October of 2006, Charles Roberts walked into an Amish school in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Do you remember this? And he shot 10 girls in an Amish school. The shooter died at the scene and five of the girls died. I remember watching this on the news as it unfolded. We lived in Indiana and we had Amish people in our community. And I remember being amazed as the Amish families immediately began talking about forgiveness. I mean the same day. The night of the shooting, several of the victims' parents, the dead girl's parents, got out their buggies and went to visit with Terry Roberts, the shooter's mother. 
She was thinking about leaving town because she did not know how she could stay. And they begged her to stay. And they wanted her to know they were not angry with her. They were ready to forgive on that very day. I remember the media was perplexed. They did not understand it. They could not fathom such love. You know, that's our job. To go and perplex the world. That's what the love of Christ does. Let's pray together.